Hello, and welcome to another episode of the APOG podcast. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down and talking with Peck Endmond. She's physician associate, trained psychotherapist, and author of Beyond the Blues, Understanding and Treating Prenatal and Postpartum Mood and Anxiety Disorders. Hello, and welcome. Do you mind introducing yourself and your pronouns? Sure. Uh, my name is Peck Endman, and yes, that is a family nickname, but that's what I identify with, and my pronouns are she, her, and hers. Thank you. And hey, nickname, it's whatever you want to be called is what I'll be calling you. (laughs) (laughs) Before we dive into it, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles uh, to um, a wonderful, I feel very fortunate, loving, wonderful family. Um, Both my mom and dad considered themselves feminists, and I grew up on peace marches and civil rights marches. So we were very active um, politically and aware of the world and what was going on. And um, my brother decided to go to med school and I thought I would follow Mm -hmm. in his footsteps. He's five years older than me, but I struggled with math and chemistry and excelled in other things. And found out about PA programs. This was in the early 70s. And it was when PA programs were just really getting off the ground because a lot of corpsmen were coming back from Vietnam War with a lot of skills. And I was accepted into the Johns Hopkins. Mm -hmm. There they called it physician associate because they didn't want the word assistant in our name. So here we are. (laughs) Here we are. But, you know, the certification obviously was as a PA Mm-hmm. physician assistant. And um, I loved school. I moved back to California. I was the first one in my class to get a job because I knew I wanted to come back to California. Um, wasn't ready for the East Coast and worked in a family practice clinic serving underserved families for a number of years. And then I kind of did a lot of testing my interests and passions. I worked in a physical fitness evaluation center and a couple of weight management programs and a cardiac rehab program and did a number of years doing women's reproductive health care in a women's clinic. And to make a very long story, long story, (laughs) a little shorter, I went back to school and I got a master's degree in health psychology and I continued and went on and got a doctorate in marital family therapy and was licensed as a marriage family therapist. And developed a private practice, and because of my interest in women's health, really specialized in women's reproductive health care issues. Your career kind of highlights what's so awesome about PAs is that we're very versatile, and we can do work in a lot of different areas. But I'm really curious, so what kind of triggered that transition into more of the therapy, mental health aspects of things? Well, I think first I was starting to do educational groups. And, you know, of course, when you work in weight management, even as a PA, people know what they, and I'm doing quotes in in the air, Mm -hmm. um, people know what they should do. It's not that easy to do. And I had started in a master's in public health program and realized, no, it's not that I don't know how to teach because that was my assumption. They're not making changes, so it must be me. And I realized, no, it's stuff going on, and people don't have the tools to make those changes. So I backed out, decided to go and study psychotherapy. 
And so I got my master's in health psychology, got the doctorate. And when I was starting to build my private psychotherapy practice, I was meeting with OBGYNs and talking about, you know, if you have somebody who has a miscarriage or, you know, whatever, I'm available. It's called practice marketing. And I will, I so vividly remember I was meeting a doc in a large OBGYN group and I was in the waiting room waiting for her and there was this huge spiral notebook of um, resources for women and families. And there was a lavender flyer about postpartum depression and how common it was. And I'm sitting there and I said to myself, oh my God, this is a really important women's issue. And all these years of training, PA school, my master's in health psychology, my doctorate in counseling, never, nobody spoke a word of it. And I was horrified. And I wrote down the number on the flyer and got home and called the number. And it was this organization that it recently, I don't know, it was maybe five years old or less at that point Mm -hmm. in the, in the 80s gotten off the ground and you call this number and it was at this woman who founded the organization. Her name is Jane Honickman and the phone rang at her home and her family knew her kids, her husband, (laughs) postpartum support international. And we, we had a lovely talk and um, she said, you need to meet this woman in the Bay area, which is where I was. Mm -hmm. I was in the, in at that time in San Jose California and um, and we chatted and just made this wonderful connection and uh, that that really talking to her and starting to read everything I could find my hands on which wasn't that much at that time just really got me passionate and angry that you know everybody deserves a positive birth experience i had two very positive birth experiences and everybody deserves that and i just um hooked up with this woman in the bay area and we started talking and that kind of was you know i started meeting with ob's i started doing grand rounds at the local hospitals doing a few lunchtime in services and um it just became my passion and watching women recover is like the most rewarding thing there is. That's awesome. And it's it's one of those things that you think like, oh, yes, this is this is a thing like pe- there must be people doing things about this. And then you realize you look into it and you go, what? <laughs> Excuse me? Like, no, one, what? Where's the help? Where's the, the, the assistance? And it sounds like you stepped in and filled a, a really, really big gap. It, it, yes. And I think what's so fun and rewarding to me is seeing how that gap has been just exponentially being filled. I mean, we, we still have a long way to go. And we said that almost 30 years ago, you know, we have a really long way to go, but so much has changed in the field. And that's just so powerful to see and rewarding. That's, I mean, a fantastic to hear. Now, having worked in the field for so many years, are there any common themes or maybe misunderstandings that either patients have or providers have when it comes to to common maternal mental health issues? Yep. There's a lot of myths around, well, one mental illness in general. Mm 
mm-hmm. but especially maternal mental health because and paternal because I mean now we know about one in ten or ten percent of dads have a postpartum or a perinatal mm-hmm. illness, and we're also looking at LBG. LBGT families and transgender families that no one's immune from a mental health problem. Mm -hmm. And having a child is pretty earth shattering to your life and your lifestyle. Oh yeah. (laughs) And so there, there are a lot of myths and, you know, a lot of people are told it's just the blues. It'll go away by itself. Even after the time, I mean, the blues is very common. It's not abnormal. It's not an illness. Mm -hmm. And it should be gone by about two weeks postpartum. So when I have clients who came in, you know, three months mm-hmm. postpartum and their doc is still or provider is still telling them, oh, it's just the blues, they're wrong. So one, I think in general, providers haven't been trained well, although we're seeing that changing. Mm-hmm. But how are consumers supposed to know how they're supposed to feel? You know, we assume everybody goes into a pregnancy mentally healthy, and we forget that, what, 50% of pregnancies are unplanned, and some of those are unwanted. Um, The myth that all women glow in pregnancy and feel fulfilled, you know, this is a gift from the heavens. And, you know, Mm -hmm. the pressure about birth, the only good or true birth is a non-medicated vaginal birth. I had two eight and a half pounders and I'm five feet tall. Oof. Well, <laughs> that, that, you can't fit a big thing through a little place. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work out great. Nope. <laughs> no. And so, you know, and all good moms breastfeed. Mm-hmm. Not everybody is successful. There are some women I've worked with who had molests that involved their breasts. Mm-hmm. Nobody touches their breasts. Not everyone, yeah, as yeah. I said, is able to. And just all the the myths that go with that PPD should go away by itself. I don't know if you remember Brooke Shields, Mm -hmm. the actress had pretty significant postpartum depression and anxiety. And she wrote, she was a Princeton graduate. She wrote a beautiful book called Down Came the Rain Mm. about her journey through infertility and her struggle with postpartum depression and anxiety. And Tom Cruise, in response to that, got up on Oprah Winfrey's couch and jumped up and down and said, women just need vitamins. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I do not remember that, but I can't say I'm too surprised. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, it's, yeah, it's people will jump at the craziest conclusions. Yes. For things. So, um, and I think that's why, you know, we need to train consumers, we need to train providers, we need to train families, we need to train communities. And we're starting to see that happen. And it's just been, as I keep saying, I I just um, read some more updates today. And it's very exciting. And I think you're right, we're starting to move more in the the right direction as far as shame in parenthood, I guess I'll say not just motherhood, where you mentioned like you could, you know, throw a dart blindly and hit something that someone's gonna be like, ah, you shouldn't do that. Or ah, you should do that. And when in fact, it's yeah, it's just is your kid safe and healthy? And do you love them? Then you're probably parenting, right? (laughs) Right. And all the anxiety first with COVID, well, not first, but with COVID and, mm-hmm. you know, people want to touch your baby and don't, do you let them? And has your family been vaccinated or not? 
Um, oh my gosh. You know, yeah. all those questions. And that now with all the shootings in the schools and, and, and other, you know, religious institutions, you know, it's that whole insecurity. Say you have a, a parent who comes to you and says, hey, you know, I'm having these, you know, increased anxious thoughts, you know, what's normal, what's not normal, because we're, we're living in crazy times, <laughs> things that, you know, would naturally make any person anxious. How would you kind of answer that question if a patient approached you with that? Well, I think one is to validate, yep, those are real concerns. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> and, you know, then it's how do you manage your anxiety and still live a productive, happy life. This is part of a therapeutic approach, but helping people realize what's in their control, what's out of their control, how do you let go of the things that aren't in your control. And cognitive behavioral therapy has this wonderful equation that says, Anxiety is equal to perceived danger or threat, like my house is going to get shot up or, you know, whatever your worst fear is, over coping skills. So it's how do you make a big triangle? Mm -hmm. So how real is that danger or threat? Well, it's a tiny bit real. What can you do to cope with that? And how can you think about it? Mm -hmm. How common is that? What's the reality? How can you protect yourself? How do you feel safe? What helps you feel safe? And so there are some really important and helpful therapeutic ways to help people manage anxiety. And for OBGYN providers, it may be, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to have another miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And every t and I remember this because I did have an early loss at about 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, normalize that, yep, you're going to be looking at the toilet paper every <laughs> time you go to the bathroom to look for blood and how, you know, how can you reassure yourself and, and know you're doing the best you can. And I'm a big fan of cognitive behavioral therapy. I think it's really been shown, especially in prenatal and postpartum, there's been a lot of research about cognitive behavioral therapy. It's been shown to be really effective for obsessive compulsive disorder, which is often exacerbated or has a new onset in mm -hmm. um, perinatal times. So yeah, I'm, I'm very much believe in evidence-based medicine and evidence-based therapy. Amen. So. <laughs> so that kind of leads very well into my kind of my next question. Let's say as a provider, a, a patient comes in and, and they are having some, they're showing some symptoms of, of either postpartum you know, depression, anxiety, and besides referring them to CBT, is there, are there any other resources or things that you would suggest? There are lots now. I mean, one is, and I don't remember if this is a word we used in medicine, but in therapy, it's called bibliotherapy, where you give people things to read. So mm. there, you know, and, and I would certainly, and I do vet things before I encourage people to read them, like Brooke Shields' book is wonderful, but it's really about mm -hmm. Brooke. It's not so much a book about perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. For example, on the website, Postpartum mm -hmm. Support International, and I'll say we, because I've been a member for probably almost 30 years. Oh yeah, you've earned that yeah. right. <laughs> a lot of good information. Postpartum Support International has what's called a warm line, where you can call and a volunteer will call you back within a couple hours who has had a lived experience with the postpartum depression, anxiety, some kind of perinatal mood or anxiety disorder, and they are trained to be good listeners and help you find resources in your community. Oh, wow. 
Postpartum Support International got, I guess it was a grant with the Health and Human Services Agency. And we now have, as of just last year, a National Maternal Mental Health Hotline. That's awesome. And I can give you, I'll say the number if that's okay. Perfect. Yes, please. It's one 943 5746 Awesome. And this has a paid trained staff and it is 24 hours. So if somebody's feeling suicidal or just unable to sleep in the middle of the night and needs to talk to someone, you will get a live body. That's that's fantastic to hear. So the next topic I wanted to dive in is something that I know when I, I learned a little bit about in school and I, I think some providers might have some hesitancy just right off the bat is that postpartum um, psychosis symptoms where a patient comes in and they feel comfortable or hopefully feel comfortable, you know, admitting to you saying, Hey, I'm having these vivid thoughts of harming my child. You know, what do I do? How does a provider approach that situation? Well, first I would ask them, are you Mm -hmm. having any unusual or disturbing thoughts or pictures? Because I have found the shame is so incredible. Mm-hmm. So people aren't just going to come out, especially if you, they haven't seen you or don't know you very well and say, you know, I'm just having the strangest thoughts about stabbing my baby. So it's important to ask those questions. What often happens is people come in with postpartum depression and they get asked, do you want to kill your baby? Well, Most people with postpartum depression don't want to kill their baby. (laughs) Um, I love my child. (laughs) Yes, but they might want to run away, but they don't want to hurt their child. So I think it's really important to open the discussion. And if someone says that, the other thing, and again, this is where kind of your limits of knowledge and your scope of practice needs to kick in. And if you haven't, if a provider hasn't had any training in differentiating obsessive compulsive disorder, which can look very much like postpartum psychosis with intrusive, really disturbing thoughts, then you do need really to have a set of resources in your community that you know you can get someone into quickly for evaluation. And I think the worst case from my experience is sending them unless they're really actively suicidal to an emergency room, because often those folks aren't trained in distinguishing. And so, you know, it's really important to know who is your network as a provider in the community that you can discuss with. The other really cool thing that PSI now has... This organization's the best. (laughs) (laughs) They have everything, which is great. But we now have, and this just started... (laughs) a couple years ago, is a perinatal psychiatric consultation line. And it's available for any prescriber who has questions about mental health care related to pregnant and postpartum patients and preconception planning, because that's really critical. If someone's already on meds, Mm. many times they stop Mm -hmm. without getting input and then have a high rate of relapse. So that Mm. number is... Um, 1-877-499-4773. And it's not a hotline, so someone will call you back. So if you're really concerned, mm-hmm. then it would be go to the next step and you know find somebody in your community or mm-hmm. send someone to an ER, especially if it's a 
hospital that does have a psychiatric unit or a specific psych hospital. But one of the big keys for me, and I've only had a couple patients with postpartum psychosis, but they were both fairly out of touch with reality. Um, one was actually an MFT, a marriage family therapy student. She could hardly speak. She couldn't, I mean, so obviously she was bright. She was in grad school. She could hardly talk. Mm -hmm. She couldn't fill out any forms. And another woman was from a different country and her husband was there kind of translating, but she just kind of sat there and sort of half smiled, half grimaced at me and couldn't respond to anything. And she just was not in touch with reality. And so one of the differences with psychosis is it may, it feels real and it feels like they really need, like Andrea Yates, she heard the voice of God telling her to drown her five children. She was a nurse. She was an extremely religious mm -hmm. person. She never would have hurt her kids. And mm -hmm. this is kind of, you know, it it makes sense. Someone with OCD will look at you and say, I am horrified. I would never hurt. Why did the, why is this happening to me? Am I a bad person? It's what we call ego dystonic. It doesn't fit with who they mm -hmm. are. And you need really honed therapy skills or, you know, and trained to really make that kind of distinction. Thank you for that. I guess kind of a insight. It's always, I always find it helpful to hear other practitioners' experiences because as I tell myself every day, a textbook medicine can be very different than real world medicine and how some people present can be wildly different than what you, you know, what you maybe assume based on what you learn and read. Um, so I, I really appreciate you sharing those experiences. If I need to use the hotline one day, I am certainly going to be happy that it's there. The other thing I was going to say is what's really cool is that there is training for healthcare providers in reproductive psychiatry. And there's a couple of places that are really wonderful. Postpartum Support International has a one-day training taught either, I think, by a nurse practitioner. I don't know if we have any PAs yet or a, a reproductive trained psychiatrist. We do a one-day training. Mm -hmm. And also Massachusetts General, which is womensmentalhealth.org, does, um, I think it's mostly a telehealth web-based course. Mm -hmm. I think it's six weeks long. They both provide continuing ed units. So for PAs and PEs who want to get more training, there is training available. That's, that's really exciting. <laughs> this is all fairly new. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely take advantage of that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Good. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's one of the things I love is sharing resources and just helping people get their needs and interests and their passions fulfilled and met. So. Oh, well, then you are not my new best friend. Okay. <laughs> and Goody. this is a great segue <laughs> to your fantastic book that you co-authored with Shoshana Bennett. It's called Beyond the Blues, Understanding and Treating Prenatal and Postpartum Depression Anxiety, available on Amazon. I'll link it in the show notes. Uh, so you wrote this book. What inspired you to write the book? Well, you know, Shoshana is the woman that the PSI founder encouraged me to meet. Mm -hmm. And we met over coffee one day and we 
just really clicked. We both had some of the same passions, some same backgrounds in our growing up. And although she had been a school psychologist and then went back to school and became a licensed clinical psychologist, and we just really hit it off. And she had been starting to write a book and with someone who I guess really, whatever reason, it didn't work out. She said, would you like to co-author this book with me? And I was kind of like, well, sure, not knowing what I was getting into. But, <laughs> but I knew I had loved writing patient ed handouts when I worked in family practice. And for perinatal issues, I wrote a lot of handouts. At one time, I had written my own website and continued to update it. And just, I enjoy that mm-hmm. sharing of resources. And so Shoshana and I started a publishing, or we self-published. I've read a lot about that, and it's not that hard. And so we started a company called Mood Swings Press. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that was her name. <laughs> and um, in 2002, we published our first book, which actually was fairly thin and called, I think it was called Postpartum mm-hmm. Depression, a Treatment Manual, came in out in 2002. And things changed. There was more research. There was more, you know, it wasn't just postpartum depression. We realized that many women get ill during pregnancy and men have anxiety issues and and depression. You know, again, not everybody goes into a pregnancy in a healthy state. And so every couple of years, we updated Mm -hmm. the book with the latest resources and the latest research. And the last edition came out in 2019. And this summer we have decided to, and we were asked by the publisher to do an updated edition. And there is some good updates and good new resources. And we're going to work on it this summer. I'm That's pretty awesome. excited. <laughs> I will get, oh my gosh. So <laughs> for the listeners, I, uh, Peck, she confirmed the interview and I uh, swiftly ordered the book. (laughs) I think it was like a 48 hour process of I was like, do you want to do the interview? And she said, yeah. And I was like, cool, I'm going to get this book right now. And now I'm going to get the updated one. So I have maybe this, you know, I'll have this one to look to compare to, but I don't want to give any spoilers away, but I'm three fourths of the way through and it is a fantastic resource. Um, One thing I really, really liked that you did is, is this book is not just designed for healthcare practitioners, but it's, you know, anyone could pick it up, uh, a patient, a loved one, and there are sections that are designed, you know, for the patient, for the loved one, for the healthcare, exactly. which I think is fantastic. And I love that we did that because a lot of providers don't have much information mm-hmm. and certainly consumers. So we wanted to make it really easy to read and relevant to anyone who could pick it up. And we've been published in China, in Chinese, and we've been published in Japan, and we have made a point here in the United States to always publish in English and Spanish. So we're very, very proud of that. Do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what they might find in the book? Sure. Um, in fact, I even have a copy here, and I bookmarked the table of contents. Ah. So we, we talk a little about what are perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, and you know what do they look like? Because we can talk about there's anxiety that and again it's not just postpartum these things many times people come into a pregnancy with these things but anxiety depression bipolar disorder psychosis obsessive compulsive disorder and we talk about each of those and you know what how they look and how they're different we talk about ocd panic disorder 
we explain those things, we talk about, and this is really important, and we forget this part, the consequences of untreated illness. I'm sorry, Tom Cruise, it doesn't always go away with vitamins. Yes. And so it's important to realize that untreated depression can continue. Untreated anxiety can persist. OCD, I mean, women who are afraid they're going to hurt their children may avoid their children. I've had women not want to bathe their children. They were afraid they were going to molest their children. We know that developmental disturbances can occur in moms and parents who have psychiatric illnesses. They have poor developmental milestones and they're at higher risk for having depression and anxiety when they get older. So mm -hmm. the consequences are really family-wide. There's a high rate of marital discord, relationship problems. So we talk about that. We talk about how to find a therapist, how to screen. What are the questions to ask? Like, have you had any training in perinatal mood or anxiety disorders? Because most therapists that I know of out there on the street in psychology today will say they have, but when you ask them, what training have you actually have? Oh, sorry, my phone's going off. Um, they really, well, I'm interested in the topic. So you really need, you know, what books do you recommend? If they can't recommend any books on the topic, they don't know That's the okay. topic. There's some good books out there, um, not just mine. So how to screen and you know, how to do basic mom care, myths about breastfeeding, questions and answers about medication, medication in pregnancy, medication in postpartum. Does it affect breast milk? So we talk about all those things and we have a section for partners and family, what to say, what not to say. It's not helpful to say, just cheer up. You know, how to be supportive and chapters for providers, what things they should know, and then a bunch of resources, books, apps, websites, and resources also for neonatal loss. Oh, that's very important. I think a lot of people maybe don't think of that when they think about per perinatal postpartum depression, but it's equally vital. Yes. And one of the things I'm going to jump to another thing about Postpartum Support International is that I, I was just reading, rereading our what we call impact report from mm -hmm. last year. And we now have, oh my gosh, we have um, support and a task force on diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have a perinatal mental health alliance for people of color that offers scholarships to trainings. We have perinatal and loss support on our peer support lines. We have facilitated 30 groups per week on loss. I mean, we have so many different support groups on so many different things. And we also have trainings. We now have a full day training. Right now it's being taught by a wonderful psychologist in San Diego named Danny Singley, who's been our dad's coordinator for many years. And he just created a day long training on dads and perinatal. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> and so there's so many different things. As I mentioned, um, the training specifically for prescribers. But the mm -hmm. other really cool thing, and I, I feel like I'm running my mouth off here, but it's so, no, no, no. It's so <laughs> exciting and rewarding to me, is that when I first started in PSI, we had an annual conference once a year 
And if we had 30 people, it was like, oh my God, this is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And over the years, the trainings have grown and we do a a two-day training that was developed attached to the conference, which is now more advanced topics. But the first training, I don't remember when it started. I, I should really look that up. But it was taught by Jane Honigman, the PSI founder, and a psychologist who is currently the president of PSI and a local psychiatrist. And um, after that, Shoshana and I started doing the teaching the course. And it evolved. And for years, we were saying, you know, there's PAs get certified, nurse practitioners get certified, drug and alcohol counselors get certified. We need a certification that says just because you've gone through training doesn't mean you really know the information. We want to train and certify perinatal perinatal mental health providers, not just psychologists and therapists, but PAs, NPs, physicians, um, doulas, birth coach, you know, and peers, Mm -hmm. peer support people. So just in the past, I don't even know, maybe five years, we have worked with a very um, prominent certification company named Pearson View. Oh, yeah. And we have developed a certification. And so one of the fun things I've been doing over these years is developing the um, questions for the course. And every year or two, we redo the questions and, you know, teach people how to write questions. That's a whole art in and of itself. How do you write a good exam question? Oh, I believe it. (laughs) But I just discovered in our notes from last year, oh, the the certification program started in 2018. We have certified over 3,000 people, providers in 15 countries. Wow. Blew my mind. Oh my gosh. Because of the um, pandemic, we've been doing online two-day trainings and the numbers, remember the 30 at a conference have mm-hmm. gone to over a thousand from all over the world. So the word is spreading and we are starting to fill the gap. The power of human connection. <laughs> I can never, can never get enough of it. <laughs> well, I think we've done a really good job. We've covered a lot of really important information. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to highlight or anything we didn't get into that you want to discuss? I think I covered all my notes. (laughs) I really appreciate you giving me the opportunity because, you know, as a former PA, I really appreciate PAs and want us to be able to serve as many people as we can. PA supporting PAs, PA supporting patients, PA supporting everyone is is what we're all about. And I I really appreciate you taking the time out of your your lovely, uh, hopefully lovely Mexican weather. Yep. It's almost time for sunset. Well, I will wish you safe travels and um, hopefully in the future when I retire to Mexico, I will hit you up for advice. (laughs) All right. And before then too, Morgan, definitely. please feel free to stay in touch. (laughs) It's been so delightful. Thank you. Well, that wraps it up for me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with PA and licensed marriage and family therapist, Peck Indman. I want to give a huge thank you to Peck for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. I was genuinely fangirling the entire time. 
Now, I'll include links to all the organizations Peck mentioned in the show notes on our website, the-apog-podcast.blueberry, that's B-L-U-B-R-R-Y dot net. Now, you can tune in next time where I'll be reviewing the ins and outs of infertility. You can listen to the show on APOG's website, www.paobgyn.org. You can also listen to us on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, or anywhere podcasts are found. You can follow APOG on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at APAOG to stay up to date on all the cool things we're up to. And lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It would really make a difference in our visibility, and it would mean the world to me. Well, that's it. That is the end of my pandering. (laughs) Until next time, stay safe, tell someone you love them, and bring a little kindness into the world. Goodbye.